Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. All right. Man. Well, I'm encouraged, and uh, Paul, that was a great word um, to set me up here as we dig into the Word. If you have a Bible, go ahead and pull it out. We're going to study uh, a verse together. We're going to look at it in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to go ahead and open up to that. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself for today, and um, I, I think all of us did who are helping to, to put this thing on, and... Um, there's, there's been a lot of excitement leading up to it, and the last several days have been met with a lot of different challenges, uh, unexpected things. I haven't slept well in the last five nights, um, and uh, last night I woke up at two and, ha- and wasn't able to go back to sleep, so I was hoping last night would be catch-up, and it was not. Um, I'm, I'm dealing with a little bit of a cold thing. Uh, Nobody freak out. It's just, uh, it's just a little cold. Um, and then there was this snowstorm, right, that came in unexpectedly and made it so that the mission team that was supposed to fly in yesterday and put on the kids' camp um, wasn't able to come. And so we just, we saw all these different things happening and it was like, man, what in the world is going on? And this, this morning, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. I had a good bit of time to, to sit and listen to him. And, uh, and the thing that he said to me was, he, he pointed me to where Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, this does not have to do with my message directly, but where Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. And he says that, that God made him weak through this uh, messenger of Satan that was sent to hinder him or buffet him, made him weak because God's power is perfected in weakness. And uh, many of you are probably feeling weak this week. Uh, you, maybe you didn't sleep well last night. I've, I've spoken to several of you who've had that same story, <laughs> interestingly. And what the Lord said to me this morning was, I've made you weak on purpose. I've made you weak on purpose. So that... You could not become proud to protect you from pride. And so that at the end of the day, when I do what I want to do, I'm the only one who can get credit for it. So I believe that God has something to say to us, not just through this message, though I hope he speaks to you through this message, but I believe he has things to say to us all through our time here. And I believe he's already speaking What we're going to talk about in this message is this idea of being a soldier in Christ's army. And uh, some of you in the room, you are soldiers. Um, I hope that it connects well with you. Some of you in this room are not soldiers. And um, maybe you're a doctor or an accountant or a stay-at-home mom or a teacher. And, And maybe... You don't ever think of yourself as a soldier. 
And maybe that's the farthest thing from your mind, the, the last picture that you would choose to, to um, describe the Christian life. But I hope that you will see that there is great help in seeing that we are soldiers, um, that we are soldiers of Christ. So let's, let's look at the verse together, and then uh, I want to pray for us. The verse, there are two verses that we're going to look at, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. We have it on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Pray with me. Father, We come before you right now, and we are weak. We have been weakened. (laughs) And, Father, I just want to boast in my weaknesses. I want to boast in lack of sleep and um, not feeling my very best and um, the different things that we have come up against because when we are weak, your power can rest on us. And so I'm asking right now, Father, that your power, the power of Christ, would rest upon the preaching of your word, that the power of Christ would rest upon the hearts of every person in this room to receive your word. Lord, that you would teach us, speak to us, encourage us, exhort us, challenge us. Lord, give us fresh eyes to see the mission that you've called us to, the ways that we have been neglecting it. And I pray that you would build your church through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, Paul, speaking to his timid protege, Timothy, calls him a soldier of Christ a soldier of Christ. And by extension, the Bible is calling us soldiers, soldiers of Christ. And so whether or not you feel like a soldier today, if you are a Christian, you are one. And that's going to have some implications for our lives. We're going to look at together. I have three points. If you are a note taker, um, three simple points, and and those are this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you all three now. Um, remember where you are, is point number one. Remember what you are, is point number two. And remember whose you are, is point number three. So, look at the passage one more time before we get to the first point. 2 Timothy 2, verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now, the fact that Paul says share in suffering as a good soldier means that what he has in mind is a soldier who is in combat. Um, This is 
not a, a retired soldier or a soldier on leave or a soldier awaiting deployment, but a soldier who is in combat. And so when the Bible describes a Christian as a soldier, it's describing a Christian who is a soldier in combat. And we forget this, and that has um, negative effects on our lives. I want you to imagine a soldier at war who, let's say after being struck in the head, suffers with amnesia. And this soldier wakes up in the morning, and he cooks his breakfast, and he's going about his day. And imagine then the shock and the confusion that he would experience as he heard bombs exploding in the distance or, or bullets whizzing past his head. Imagine how frustrated he would be at his living situation. Imagine how frustrated he would be at his heavy boots and his heavy gear. You see, as long as he does not know that he's in combat, he views his situation through the wrong lens. Now, I've never been in combat, not a soldier, but I would suspect that when you are in combat, you look at these sufferings, these heavy boots, these meager living situation, the the constant anxiety of having an enemy after you, you look at those things differently because you understand what you're doing and why you're there. And I don't know about you, but too often in my life, I forget that I'm in war. And because I forget that I'm in war, I'm frustrated by the opposition that I feel, by the setbacks that I experience. I get frustrated with the little things that are a part of being a soldier. I'm afraid that many Christians, and maybe this is particularly true in the West where we have it pretty good, that many Christians completely forget or never even knew that they were soldiers at war. So I want, I want us to first remember where we are. We're in combat. Now I want to consider a few things that that means for us. If we are at war, then it means there are enemies. If we're at war, then it means there are enemies. So what, what are those enemies? Um, number one, the first enemy is your own sin. And this is your greatest enemy, your own sin. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. The passions of the flesh are waging war against your soul. And Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's war language, right? Put to death the deeds of the body, the, the sinful tendencies, the passions of your flesh. And so our first and greatest enemy in this war is our own sin. And if we don't fight our own sin, our sin will take us out, right? 
We see this time and time again. We see the failures of prominent Christian leaders. We see how it happens. Well, this can also happen with any one of us, right? We don't have to be in some, we don't have to have some big stage. Any one of us can be taken out, even, from, even with secret sin, even sin that never gets found out, can disqualify you from God using you. If you don't put it to death, if you don't put it to death, what happens? You will die. This is war. Jesus spoke using very aggressive language, talking about how to deal with our sin. He said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Every single day, you are in a battle against the desires of your flesh that are waging a war against your soul. So as you go about your day, whether you're vacuuming your house or performing surgery or driving a nail, do not forget the war that you are in against your own fleshly desires. John Owen famously said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. So that's our first enemy. But we have another enemy that is the domain of darkness. The Bible tells us that we have an adversary, an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So you have an enemy within, but you also have an enemy without. And Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're wrestling with spiritual forces of evil. And then he says that in light of that, we should take up the armor of God in order that we would be able to stand firm. This is war language. And so here is the Bible telling us that there's armor that we need to put on. And if you are a soldier in combat, you would think of putting on your armor. My guess is that for most of us in this room, when our alarm goes off in the morning to get us up for work, we don't strap on a weapon or body armor. But if you were in combat, you would, and you wouldn't forget. And so it's so important that we remember where we are, that we are in a war. We are in combat against an unseen enemy, an adversary, and spiritual forces of evil in the spiritual realm. We are not in a war against other people. We're not in a war against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not the person who votes differently than you or thinks differently than you or disagrees with you or the person who's up against you. It seems like always coming against you in your workplace. That's not your enemy. The Bible says it isn't flesh and blood that we're wrestling against, but unseen enemies. So we've got to remember where we are. And when we do, well, we will expect to have a battle every day against our own selfish and sinful tendencies. We will expect personal suffering. And so we won't be taken off guard when things get hard. We'll remember that this is a war-torn land. And so it won't surprise us or shake us when we see brokenness all around us. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 4.12. 
Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So if we can remember where we are, that we're in a war, in enemy territory, in combat, we won't be surprised by the tests that we face. We'll be able to share in suffering as a good soldier and not lose heart. And that brings me to my second point. Um, that we need to remember not only where we are, but we need to remember what we are. Remember what you are. You are a soldier on a mission. So the Bible does use other uh, pictures to describe this Christian life. We're also sheep being led by a good shepherd, right? We're also sick people needing to go to Jesus for healing. The Bible um, calls us children who were orphans and then were adopted by a good and loving father. The Bible says that we're ambassadors for Christ. So there are other pictures for the Christian life. But this picture is important of a soldier. You're a soldier. And I believe for the days ahead, for whatever may come our way, it's important that we remember what we are. We are a soldier on a mission. I want to go over a few relevant characteristics of soldiers. Um, number one, a soldier is self-controlled. A soldier self-controlled. A soldier who cannot control himself is no good to his country. If he cannot control fear or laziness or self-indulgence, he'll be nothing but a hindrance on the battlefield. So soldiers have to first learn to make their bed, stand up straight, polish their boots before they can be trusted with a weapon, Right? Soldiers are self-controlled. And too many Christians, I believe, want responsibility, want more responsibility on the battlefield. But they haven't learned yet to make up their spiritual bed. And God is saying there are other things that you're going to have to do first before I will entrust you with more. Soldiers are self-controlled. Secondly, a soldier gets things done. Every soldier has a job, specific um, role to play, and that involves hard work. So the soldier is not trained to sit around idle all day. The Bible says, admonish the idle. Are you a hard worker for the kingdom of God? Do you think of yourself as someone who has a job to do, a role to play, a part in God's great kingdom? The same that is true for a soldier, that soldiers have a job to do. It's true for us as Christians. There are no believers who are exempt from the promise that says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is for every single believer in this room. So a soldier gets things done. A soldier is self-sacrificing. In order for a soldier to be able to protect his country, he has to put his own life on the line. He has to put his own life in danger. A combat soldier lays his life on the line 
for the good of the cause over and over again. And a Christian soldier should do the same. The Bible says that Christ died for us. Why? So that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for God. So as soldiers of Christ, we're to sacrifice ourselves, to lay ourselves down, to lay down our our preferences, to lay down our desires, to lay down our time, to lay down our lives for the good of others and for the glory of God. A soldier obeys commands. A soldier obeys commands. Soldiers must operate under orders. There are no active duty soldiers out there. I say active duty because I think they would be pulled who refuse to follow orders, right? In order to be a soldier, you must obey an officer above you. You must follow commands. And so soldiers give up their liberties. Why? In order that others might have their liberties. And a Christian soldier does the same. We lay down our liberties so that others might gain freedom in Christ. A soldier fights for something bigger than himself. Every soldier that's willing to lay down his life or her life does so because they believe it's for something bigger than themselves, something worth giving themselves for. And so it is with us. We are called to great, big, glorious purposes. Great, big, God-honoring, God-glorifying tasks. Ultimately, that God would be known on the earth, that He would be worshipped, that Christ would be loved and obeyed, that He would receive the worship that He's due. Now, that is something worth giving your life for. Something worth fighting for. So, the Christian soldier understands that life is not about me. It's about God, about His kingdom, about His purposes, and about His glory. And so, I have to lay down my desires, my dreams, my plans, my very life in order to see God's kingdom advance. But notice that Paul doesn't just tell Timothy to be a soldier. He tells him to be a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So I want to take just a minute to consider what a good soldier is like. I believe there are many who are soldiers and nothing more. But if you think about um, King David's army, if you're familiar with King David and his army, um, all of, he had a lot of good soldiers. He had a very strong army. But above all of those, he had his mighty men. And then above those mighty men, he had the three. If you've ever read it. And they were the ones who were the bravest of the brave, who fought with great skill and valor, who were faithful with their job. And so I believe The same is true for us that every soldier is not equal in the army of Christ. 
but that we should desire to be considered one of the mighty ones in the army of Christ. That we should, desire, we should have ambition to be considered one of God's best soldiers. That we should have ambition to be brave and courageous and faithful. And so if you want to be a mighty soldier of Christ, cleanse yourself from sin. Train yourself for righteousness. Rightly handle the word of truth and obey all of your king's commands. And finally, a good soldier is determined to win, not just survive. Now, what I mean is that we are not soldiers just wandering aimlessly around on the battlefield, hoping to make it to the end of a war. We're soldiers who've been given marching orders and are on a mission. And that mission is to plunder the enemy's camp. We've been given the command to go and make disciples of all nations. And where will those people come from? They will come from the domain of darkness, just as all of us did. What a mission! God calls us to go into the enemy's camp and break chains and set people free with what? With news, with a declaration, with the gospel. We are called to proclaim liberty to captives. It's available to them, but they must hear it and believe it. Just as the Lord commanded Paul, so he commands us to go and open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Again, I need to reiterate that we are not in a war against flesh and blood or people, but in a war for people. As the song, O Church Arise, says, an army bold whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor. And so, the good soldier remembers his mission to go and to plunder the enemy camp, not just to survive, to be on the offensive, not just on the defensive. Ephesians 6 tells us that we are not left with defensive armor only, but with a powerful offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So soldiers are not only equipped for defense, but for offense. And for too long... I believe the church in Vermont has only attempted to maintain its ground. I think, and maybe this isn't true, I'm sure it's not true of every church, but generally speaking, the church in Vermont has, has built bunkers rather than launch pads. That, that the desire has been, let's hold on, let's hang on until the end. And I think God wants us to change our mindset that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
What are gates for? Defense. So what Jesus is saying is that my church will break into the gates of hell, will break into the domain of darkness and set captives free. And so I believe that the church in Vermont now has to shift from seeing its posture as defensive to seeing its posture as offensive, that we are not just trying to protect what we've got, but that we've got to go and take ground for the glory of God and for the good of those who are in darkness. So don't forget what you are. You're a soldier on a mission to go and make disciples of the king. Maybe you know that you're a soldier. Maybe you know that you're in a war. But you feel like you'll never be able to live up to this. And that brings me to my final point. Look at the passage with me again, verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So my third point is, remember whose you are, that you've been enlisted by Jesus the King. So, who is it that enlisted you into this army? Was this your idea? No. This was his. And so it doesn't matter if you felt like a soldier or feel like a soldier. If he calls you one, then he means to make you into one. Does anybody remember the story of Gideon in the Old Testament and Judges? Gideon is this, this little terrified guy living under um, an occupied land. He's scared to death. And we, we, we come a- across Gideon in the story, and he's, he's hiding away in a wine press, scared to death. And... God comes to him and he says to, he calls Gideon, mighty man of valor. That's Judges 6.12. Mighty man of valor. And I can just promise you that he did not feel like a mighty man of valor. He didn't look like a mighty man of valor. He didn't feel like a mighty man of valor when God called him one. And then before Gideon even has time to process What the Lord just called him, God says to him, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And I can just imagine Gideon thinking, what might of mine? (laughs) What might? But Romans 4.17 says, that God calls into existence the things that do not exist. Just in case you missed that, I want to read that again. Romans 4.17 says that God calls into existence the things that do not exist. If you know the story of Gideon, you know that he became a mighty man of valor. And the reason he became a mighty man of valor is because God said he was. 
God said he was. And so he became one. And so I say again, if the Lord calls you a soldier, he means to turn you into one. I was reminded as I was talking about this message this week that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. But how will that happen? What do we do? How do we partner with God so that he can turn us into a soldier, a good soldier at that? Well, the same way that Gideon did it. Keep your eyes on the Lord and you walk in obedience to the next thing that he's commanded you to do. That's exactly what Gideon did. And he didn't even do it all that well, if you know the story. Right? He was afraid to do it in the light of day, so he, he goes and does what God told him to do in the dark of night, so hopefully nobody sees him. But he did it. He did the next thing that God commanded him to do, and then the next thing that God commanded him to do. And in that way, he became a mighty man of valor. Remember what it said, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So what else can we do? Well, we can, we can work to disentangle ourselves from competing aims in this life. I want to ask you a question for you to think about. What is your aim in this life? What is your life aiming toward? Are you aiming toward a comfortable retirement? Are you aiming toward some version of the American dream? Are you aiming toward living as comfortably as possible now or down the road? What is it that you're ultimately aiming toward? Because what you aim for will determine the road that you take. And if you are aimed in the wrong direction, you will get off of the very narrow path that leads to eternal life. We are to have one aim, one ultimate aim in this life. And that is to please the one who enlisted us. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Now, this session is called Peace for the Present. Maybe you're asking, why is it called Peace for the Present? What does being a soldier in the army have to do with peace? That just sounds stressful. Um, but here's what I want to... Here's, here's what I believe that the Lord is saying. Is that when you know the reason for the setbacks, the reason for the hardships, the reason for the opposition... The purpose behind it all, it produces a peace that passes understanding. Because you see, whether or not you know that you're a soldier doesn't change the fact that you are. Whether or not you remember that you're at war doesn't change the fact that you are. 
Even if you forget that you have an enemy, he doesn't go away. (laughs) You're going to face all of the same attacks, whether you are ignorant of where that stuff's coming from or not. And so there is a surprising peace that comes from suffering as a soldier. When you understand the why behind it all, there's a peace. And the reality is that each one of us exists to serve our king. When we live in alignment with that ultimate purpose for our lives, there is a peace that comes with it. And what a privilege it is to serve this king. He is an easy leader to follow. He does not lead us from afar, from behind a desk in an ivory tower. He leads us from the field of battle. He leads us from the trenches. He bears the scars of war on his body. Scars of his own battles fought and won. And he means to give us his strength. He does not merely fight beside us, but inside us. He empowers his soldiers for the work that he gives them to do. So pray. Get on your knees and pray. Cry out to him for strength for the battle. Call upon him when you are faced with temptation to sin. Call upon him when you need courage to speak up and share the gospel. Call upon him when you see the enemy's lies deceiving the world around you. Lift your heads, you soldiers of the Lord. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So be strong and courageous. Persevere under every discouragement. Be brave before the ridicule of the world. Never give thought to retreat. There is a greater need for good soldiers now than ever before. The days are evil. The time is short. And Jesus is returning soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I remember the the picture of you in Revelation and your return coming on a war horse with a, a sword coming from your mouth, your robe dipped in blood, a name tattooed on your thigh. Lord, you are a fierce warrior and you are also our shepherd good shepherd who leads his sheep beside still waters and you're the great physician lord who heals us we can come to you when we recognize how weak and needy we are you're our big brother who gives us access into the throne room of god gives us access into relationship with your father and now ours Lord, help us to remember that we're soldiers, that you're our enlisting officer, that you enlisted us 
in this army. You call us soldiers. You fight with us. You've given us a mission. Lord, help us to stay true, to fight till the end, to not be taken off guard when we face trials of various kinds, but to rejoice. Lord, would you grant to us fresh perspective on our lives, on the struggle, on the trials. Help us to see the purpose behind it all. You make us weak because your power is perfected in our weakness. Your grace is sufficient for us, Lord. Lead us into the battle. Lord, lead us in the way that we should go. Speak to us. Give us commands, Lord. Help us to be found faithful. We ask it in your great name, Lord Jesus. Amen.